The healthcare sector is increasingly turning to big data analytics tools to uncover new medical discoveries and to improve patient care. But what are the security and privacy concerns? I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorneys Brad Peterson and Elizabeth Mann about the do's and don'ts when it comes to the security and privacy of big data analytics in healthcare. So, Brad and Elizabeth, when we talk about big health data analytics, what's most at risk? Is it the big data stores themselves, or are the analytic tools used to unearth intelligence from this big data also at risk for potential privacy and security issues, and why? Well, Marianne, let me take that question. In order to understand who is most at risk with respect to privacy and security for big data in the healthcare space, it helps to just lay out a few features. There are two basic kinds of healthcare information. There is what we refer to as patient-identifiable healthcare information. That can be name, address, social security number, what you've been diagnosed with, it, what your prognosis is, what your medicine is, how much you weigh. That is personally identifiable information that is, as we all know, very carefully protected by HIPAA and by HITECH, and now the FTC is stepping in with Section 5 of the FTC Act. That data is carefully protected. There are a lot of rules about privacy protection and consents. And I will say that this is generally pretty well understood in the healthcare industry. The vast majority of healthcare transactions with identified information are carefully protected. We've all seen these HIPAA consent forms that everyone signs. And these can result in huge databases. Insurance companies have huge databases. Pharmacy benefit managers like Express Scripts have millions and millions of identifiable patient records. And generally, you know, if you, for example, go online and look at the, you can look at everybody's privacy policies, they're very detailed and very specific about what information you give consent for them to use and what you consent for them to do with the information. So that is unique to the healthcare space, and I would say carefully regulated, and people generally understand those regulations. Then when you get to de-identified data or anonymized data, interestingly enough, there are very large transactions in de-identified or anonymized, otherwise protected clinical data. And in that sense, the privacy and security rules are no different for anonymized healthcare data than they are for any other large form of data. The rules aren't any different if you have anonymized healthcare data than if you were a bank or a big retail store. So the privacy and security rules that people are generally familiar with respect to big data or the analytic tools that are used to approach this are unique when it is clinically identifiable and are the same as every other data store when it is anonymized or de-identified data. And the transactions in healthcare data that people write about and are interested in are always in anonymized data. So you get back to what are the basic rules for privacy and security for anonymized data. 
So with that said, when it comes to big data analytics in healthcare, what do you see in terms of the emerging trends in how big data analytics are being used? And what are the potential security and privacy issues that concern you the most? Well, there are three or four very big and very interesting trends. Let's start with, I'll use again the Express Scripts example. This is all public information. Express Scripts has millions and millions of identified patient records. So that's the data where obviously the privacy concerns are the highest because it's identifiable. When somebody signs up to participate with the Express Scripts program, which lots of people have and many others are like this, so I don't single them out for any reason, One of the things you can do is they have such powerful analytic tools now. This organization and and all the others like it can figure out by studying, applying their algorithms, things that we really care about in the healthcare system, medication adherence, preventing hospital readmissions. They can use big data analytics to determine which of their many patients are at risk for not being medication compliant, not watching their A1C levels, not using their walker so they end up at risk of a hospital readmission. So the data analytics, this again is identified data within a single organization. They can track these things down and very effectively now, the studies show this works quite well, when you sign up to use a service like this, you consent to, they will send you letters, when they think that you're the kind of person who might not be compliant, and you consent that their employed sort of special high-level pharmacists will call you and talk through the risks that they identify from the data as to medication noncompliance. And the studies show you get a striking increase in medication compliance, which results in a reduction in hospital readmissions and a reduction in the serious clinical problems they're trying to deal with. So the privacy risks there are obviously acute because this is identified data, but these organizations are very careful under HIPAA and HITECH that the consents they have are adequate, and of course it's the consents that are protecting the privacy concerns as well as the data security. An interesting use of anonymized or de-identified data, the tools have become so powerful now that they're becoming very effective at ferreting out fraud and abuse. And this matters because all of us pay for the healthcare system. And when there's fraud and abuse in the system, whether it's a government payer or a private payer, all it does is drive up healthcare costs. I'll touch very quickly on two other interesting movements with big data. Clinical trials are important for the approval of new medications. They take a long time because it is difficult to find and enroll patients, and then just the clinical trial process is complicated. Big data can be analyzed now, again, with privacy satisfied through consents and security satisfied through the tools that exist. Big data can be analyzed now to find potential candidates to enroll in clinical trials And soon we will have big data plus wearables, which will greatly increase the privacy and security questions, something I think Brad can talk about. You'll have big data plus wearables, which will allow clinical trial participants to participate from home, and that greatly shortens the time of a clinical trial, increases participation and throughput rates, and likely will lead to a faster approval of needed and necessary medicines 
This will be identified data. So the privacy concerns have to be addressed by HIPAA and, and the other rules. And data security becomes even more intense with the utilization of wearables for clinical trials. So those, I think, are the most current and exciting and interesting trends for the use of big data. So now, Brad, what sorts of healthcare organizations are most at risk when it comes to these security and privacy issues involving big data analytics? For instance, are they the organizations that contribute to the big data stores that are being analyzed? And what about the organizations using these tools? We might first think that it's the people who have more data who are most at risk. You might also think it's the people having the most valuable data who are most at risk. So, for example, Elizabeth mentioned you might have a database on people's weights. And while that might be a big database and potentially some bad publicity, the database you have of the insurance policy information that could be used to make fraudulent claims might actually be the more valuable and risky set of data. But I think that the organizations most at risk are those who are the least diligent. To minimize your risk, you have to map your data flows. You have to understand the laws that apply to you. You have to get the consent from the sources of data. You need a written information security program, a, a WISP you might call it, and the WISP needs to be not only reasonable and useful and protective, but actually implemented using technical solutions which are reasonable and appropriate for the position of the organization. And then finally, you need a data breach response plan, but a DBRP that allows you to mitigate the risk if a event actually happens. So I would think that if you were putting healthcare organizations on a spectrum of risk, I wouldn't put it on where they fall in the chain, how much data they have, which data they have, but whether they are taking the right steps to be diligent and careful in complying with their contractual and legal data security and data privacy obligations. And Brad, when it comes to the wearable data, where does that all fit into this? The healthcare field is a fascinating case study for the world we are moving into. We talk about the Internet of Things and the growing numbers of sensors and the possibility of wearables generally, but only in healthcare have wearables that gather tremendous amounts of data from people all the time been used effectively. Similarly, in very few fields, you have actual robots interacting with people. Sometimes you have software robots, chatbots, and so forth. But in healthcare, we see a glimpse of the digital future where actual robots are working with people and actual robots are doing surgery and collecting enormous amounts of information. When you have a camera in a robot and it's conducting surgery, the camera will record everything that happens. Probably it's not personally identifiable data, but it's an enormous amount of data. But the challenge that we have now is that that data, from a lawyer standpoint, is that that data is simply not regulated. The laws on the books now were written before any of that data came up. You might wonder, I mean, who owns that data? Is it the patient? Is it the manufacturer of the robot? Is it the, the hospital? Is it the surgeon who is working with the robot? The answer under the law is, unless you've agreed by contract, there's no ownership on this data. You merely have to keep it secure. It's like the air we breathe. And you can say if you're a dive shop at the beach, I kind of own the air that I, I put in the tanks for the scuba divers. But once that air gets out of the tank, I don't 
I can't make any claim to that air. And the kind of data that we're getting from wearables legally is like the air that's passing over our heads. That needs to change because many participants within the healthcare ecosystem believe that they own their data. And so you've got a gap between the law and the perception. And finally, when it comes to the top do and the top don't, when it comes to avoiding potential breaches or other security or privacy incidents involving big health data and big health data analytics, what would you highlight? If we were looking at top do's and don'ts, I think the top do's are know what rights you have to the data that's in your organization. That may be from consents or privacy policies, or it may be the license clauses in your contracts. For example, the healthcare provider's contract with the insurance company will have certain rights to data that has come from the insurance company. The healthcare provider's rights with a pharma company might have certain rights with respect to the data on how to use a particular medical device. I have two ideas for the top don't. The first don't is don't exceed your rights, licenses, consents, and so forth in data. Know what they are. Don't exceed them. And the other don't I'd, I'd leave you with is don't assume that having a consent or a license or the absence of regulation today means that you can ignore the reasonable expectations and the potential ethical implications of what you're doing. Healthcare providers can and should have medical ethicists on staff or consult with them. And when you get to those difficult questions where there's, you know, yes, there's no law. Yes, we have a very broad consent, a consent so broad as Facebook's consents, but we just have a bad feeling in our gut. We should talk to our medical ethicist and make sure that what we're doing not only feels right today, but it's likely to wind up what's right as the laws catch up with the technology. Thank you, Elizabeth and Brad. I've been speaking with attorneys Brad Peterson and Elizabeth Mann. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.